Hey listeners, please be advised that this episode contains some subject matter that some listeners might find upsetting. In this episode, we discuss plots in The Witcher 3 that relate specifically to suicide and violence against women, as well as some content relating to people with disabilities and LGBTQ2IA people. If you're struggling with your mental health or are not in a safe place, there are people you can talk to right now. Crisis Services Canada is available 24-7-365 at 1-833-456-4566. Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310 also offers immediate counseling for Indigenous peoples in English, French, Cree, Ojibwe, and Inuktitut. LGBTQ2IA individuals within Ontario can call 647-694-4277, and women experiencing violence or abuse can call a 24-hour crisis line at 1-866-863-0511. If you are outside of Ontario or Canada, please look up services in your area. Hello listeners, welcome back to another episode of Gamer's Guide to Ecology, where I play popular open-world RPGs from an ecological perspective. I'm the host, Jesse D, an open-world RPG gamer with a master's degree in ecology and evolution. back today. Alex has a master's degree in ecology and evolution as well. Um, Alex is about to do cool stuff with DNA. Andrew is a counseling psychology master's student. He's also back with us today. Um, we've come here together today to talk about... <laughs> we're here together today. <laughs> Everybody I'm getting married! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you gotta shake hands with your neighbor at church. That's how, that's how it goes. Um, we're gonna talk about The Witcher 3. But not just The Witcher 3, we're also going to talk about the hit Netflix TV show, The Witcher, starring Henry Cavill, and a bit about the novels by Andrew Sapkowski. So we'll do our best to compare the game to other open-world RPGs and talk about what we love about this game and what we love about the franchise. Today we're also joined by a special guest, Matt Storm a.k.a. DJ underscore Stormageddon on Twitter. A little bit about Matt. Matt is a DJ, Twitch affiliate streamer, podcaster, podcast producer. He can also be found as part of the mega team over at certainpov.com, where you can hear his lovely voice on the podcasts Fun and Games, which I did a guest star on, um, Screen Snark, and Reignite. So welcome. Thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Uh, you had posted about looking for a guest just as I was wrapping up the second season and debating whether I was going to reinstall Wild Hunt and play it again again uh, because I I I just like I love the show so much and so I was very like I'm just I've fallen in love with this world and these characters so I'm very excited to be here yes I have too I um I'd never played any of the games never read any of the books but when The Witcher came out on Netflix it seemed like something I would be into and so I watched the first episode and I was like, okay, hey, I got to, you know, do this for the show. So I downloaded the video game, but I, I didn't know who anybody was in the game. And I was like, why am I doing this stuff? Who's Geralt? I have no idea. So I watched the rest of it 
And I'm glad I did because now I know what's happening. Um, and I'm on my second rewatch actually of the show. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Such great soundtrack, great acting, um, great butts. Everybody has a nice butt. So yeah, good. Both in the TV show yeah. and in the game. Mm-hmm. And in the game, yeah. That's true. Very in the game, true. yeah. My introduction to The Witcher was through The Wild Hunt. And it was at a time in my life where I had just gone through a surgery. And they're like, hey, you can't do things for three weeks. Here's a bunch of T3s. Uh, a buddy of mine recently bought an Xbox. And he didn't have any friends on Xbox. So he said, I bought you this on Kijiji. Give me money. And I said, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing now. And I entered the wonderful world of The Witcher for three weeks when I couldn't do anything else. It was great. It was a lovely shock right into that field where everyone's the bad guy. And I I wanted everyone to be the good guy, but they weren't. They just weren't. Yeah, it's weird. For me, Like I got The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt as a Valentine's Day gift from my incredible spouse because I'd heard great things about it. I'd never played the other games. I booted it up. I played for hours and hours and hours, and then something else came out, and I dropped it and never went back. I didn't think about it. And then I watched the first season of the show and went, oh, much like you. Like I was like, oh, now I know who everybody is. Now I want more. So I, of course, there was a Steam sale. There's always a Steam sale. Mm-hmm. And so I bought, I bought the first two games on Steam, and then I was like, and then I'll go play the third one. Played the first one for about three hours and went, this is terrible. I will never touch this again. <laughs> but then but then I started Assassin of Kings and became obsessed. I just loved it. It plays very close to Wild Hunt. And like it was a lot, a lot of fun. I played through that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buckle down. We're going to get through Witcher 3. I'm going to ignore a bunch of side quests, which is against my nature. <laughs> but I'm going to get through it. And like the story is super rewarding. The game is great. I mean, it has its issues like any other media. But I loved it. I fell in love with the world. Um and after, as I mentioned at the top of the show, after watching season two, I'm now thinking about playing them all again, even though I have no time because I'm playing so many other things. Andrew, what was your first impression of Witcher 3? I think it was just pure overwhelm. I jumped in, had, had uh, a little time in White Orchard, thought there was a lot of stuff there. And I was like, okay, this is fine. And then you leave and go to uh, Velen, No Man's Land. You show up and the map is massive. You don't know where anything is. You go to your first, oh, look, all these like little quests on this board. Let me click all the little pieces of paper. Oh, this is great. And then you just start talking to a few people. Then you look at your map again and you realize there's like 300 points of interest uh, and you lose your mind. So <laughs> I was really unprepared for it. I think I just had a bit of a like maybe fatigue from my Skyrim days. I was really, really into Skyrim for a while and uh, I really enjoyed it and it took me a long time to get through it to like kind of 100% it. So I think that came out just at a bad time. So I came back to it maybe a couple of years ago on PC and just loved it. Just fell right into it. Almost like a very similar Alex story. I had like two weeks off in between trimesters of my master was just so burnt out from school and was like, I, I need to veg out and play a video game. And it steam sailed and yeah i just became Geralt for like two weeks and it was it was great so when witcher 3 when i wanted to do witcher 3 for this show i was like am i gonna go back and play these games because i was reading reviews on yes game number one was awful don't even look at it game number two i don't think i could get on xbox it might be backwards compatible i could probably get like a downloaded version of it but i was like no i'll just skip to three and I think I missed a lot of storyline because he makes a lot of references to um, things that happened in the previous games. And like the and you, uh, there's at one point at the beginning of the game where you have to like 
um, tell somebody the decision that you made in the previous game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll just pick one. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so if that affected like maybe how they treated me or like side quests or, or whatever moving forward in the game, I was like, I hope this is the right answer. <laughs> I mean, there's no technical right answer, but um, so you couldn't find the second one because the first and second games are only PC. Witcher mm-hmm. 3 is famously the first of the Witcher games to get multi-platform release. Um, and like... The decisions are fine. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a noted Mass Effect fan on Twitter. It's obnoxious at this point. And, like, <laughs> nobody does choice systems like the Mass Effect trilogy. It's just, it's unparalleled. D- Dragon Age gets close, but in a different way. Um, but, you know, you make a couple of major choices in Assassin of Kings that will affect your relationships in the third game. But it's not, it's not on that level. And there's no real right answer. It just affects, I think, who's friendly towards you and, like, I don't even remember, and I think if you had had a relationship with Triss in the second game, then your relationships with Triss yeah. and Yennefer are affected by that. Like how Triss will talk to you in early game will be affected by if you had a relationship, things like that. But that's the gist of it. Like it's not major, like the Reaper War will be ruined if you make the wrong choice, like in kind of Mass Effect. You can't, like Mass Effect, you can go around smooching on every, you can't smooch everyone, you gotta smooch one person. Witcher, that's if true. you're not smooching everyone, then that's half the game, just gone. That's true. Yeah, yeah you missed out. You missed out real bad. <laughs> I really wish they would put, like, little heart symbols next to the options that would get you to the romance, like, yeah. um... Oh, Divinity Original Sin too. Yeah, Divinity yeah, original original Sin, Sin that's too. it. But it gives you, like, a little heart symbol next to your choices with mm-hmm. the characters, so you know, like this will lead you to romance eventually. And you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must choose this. Must <laughs> choose romance. If yeah. I'm not getting some underwear on underwear grinding and awkward half boob shots, then is it even a video game? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to see Witcher kind of dig into that though, because I never played any other Witchers, so I wasn't really ready or expecting that. And it kind of feels like it was the echo game of thrones syndrome of like how game of thrones just had all that nudity like out of nowhere and everyone made memes and goofed about it this kind of came out at the tail end of that and i didn't know if it was like it had already been doing that or if it just picked up where game of thrones kind of left off i don't know it had that kind of appeal to me though sometimes with those choices that's how i felt too when i picked up the game for the first time and the very first scene is like side boob naked lady and i was like okay it's this game like we're just gonna use women's bodies as advertising that's how this works and then yeah. i read the first book and i was like okay i kind of get it like that's <laughs> it's the first chapter in the book it's not like they just threw this in there as like a hey this is a sexy game yeah fan um, service yeah yeah and then you know in the in the show there's a lot of a lot of nudity and stuff too Can you guys think of like a memorable moment in this game where um, a decision that you made either backfired for Geralt or completely took him in another direction that you were like, whoa, okay, hold on, what's happening? So for me, what jumps out right away is I'm a serial good boy in video games. I always say I'll do an edgy run second and then I try it and I wimp out and I'm like, I can't punch this reporter in the face. That's not me. (laughs) I'm a paragon. Um, We we are kindred spirits, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also with you on that. (laughs) I can't make the imaginary people cry. Otherwise, I can't sleep. Um, but there's like series of like quests throughout where like you get a chance to either like kill a specific type of monster or help them out. And then like towards the end of the game, 
this like council of monsters come up and they're like, should we kill him? And each of them go and go, nah, he saved me. And yo, he saved me too. And there's this one asshole werewolf who I couldn't figure out the puzzle to like not kill him. And I think I was tired. So I just killed the werewolf. So then at the end of this trial, werewolf buddy was like, hey, all these people like you. Fuck it. I'm going to kill you. And I got, I got him too, but I, I felt bad. Because I, I got trapped into killing werewolves twice when I knew, I knew I could have saved them. You can't save them all, though. Yeah, there was there was a couple monster decisions that I've made that, like, I wish I had saved just before so that I could go back and, like, see the alternate sort of outcome. Um, uh, one of the, one of the storyline or um, non-storyline sort of side quest ones that immediately came to mind when I was writing this question um, early on in the game, you come across this like burned down blacksmith shop and you go up to the blacksmith and you're like, Hey man, sorry about your shop. Like, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, you know, follow these footsteps to find the arson that burned down my store or my shop. And I was like, you got it. I'm going to go find this guy, find the guy. He's like, you know, drunk. He did it. He was just mad at this, you know, society and the man, he was mad at the system. Um, but he was also racist. So, uh, I was, he was like, um, you could choose whether or not to let the guy go or bring him back to the blacksmith. And I was like, well, I said I'd bring you back. So you're coming back. That choice <laughs> resulted in the blacksmith calling like the town guard and they dragged him away for like capital punishment. <laughs> and I was like, Oh boy, that escalated. <laughs> I guess you're going to die now. Sorry, friend. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> he likes you a lot better afterwards though. And he gives you stuff. He, he like gives you, I think, something with his shop he'll fix something for you yeah. it's, it's actually in your favor although it is awful what happens to that random npc but it's just like that was that was the first moment where i realized like this game's not fucking around like <laughs> oh you know, no <laughs> you just you made the choice and that's that's what's gonna happen now and you're just like okay this is how we play <laughs> yeah my my uh most regretted choice is a major spoiler along the Bloody Baron quest line. So the Bloody Baron as a character, I think is fantastic because you are just as likely to love him as stab him because he is very boisterous. He's very charismatic. And one moment he is on your side and he's understanding. And another moment you're finding out that he used to beat his wife. And so like, it's, it's a, it's a struggle because he's a complicated character, which I, I like those kinds of characters in the Witcher, but like, I there there are several ways that you can handle it with like resurrecting his baby and 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 like trying to bring his family back together getting his daughter back from the witches or his wife back from the witches and things like that but depending on how you make several choices will result in how he handles the next thing and unfortunately the choices I made I come back to like get my reward after finally getting his wife like figuring out how to help his wife and find his daughter and try and talk to her and the head of his uh, guard whose name I can't remember um, was like oh you haven't heard and I was like what do you mean and he's like I guess I should just show you you walk into the bar and a uh, content warning like he's hung himself and he's just there hanging like and it's not like they show a shadow like in some like PG or R games like you see him there he's just hanging there and he's like yeah he couldn't take it you know the reality of everything even though you tried to help it was too much he realized how terrible he was and took his own life and like so now this other guy the head guard who's kind of a jackass is now in charge of his troops and it's like 
like both in both and he doesn't really like you that much and so like it just affected and all but like this is a man who i think i punched the first opportunity i got to because of how he treated women i still like was gutted when i saw he had hung himself because i just after doing all that work i didn't expect and like trying to bring him back from the brink i didn't expect that to happen and i thought that was really powerful storytelling to my favorite games are the ones where the characters that you li- love or hate, you feel bad for both, right? Because it's very easy to not feel bad for a villain who's just a clear mustache-twirling villain. But there are, like um, you, everyone else was saying, there's no mustache-twirling... Well, there are a few mustache-twirling villains in this game. <laughs> but for the most part, everyone's complicated. Like, Yennefer is not a good person. Triss is not even a good person. She's probably the best of the people. Like, I think she's the kindest and the most sensible of everyone. But, like, Vesemir is definitely not a good person either. Like, like all of these characters are complicated. And the Bloody Baron quest, like, absolutely floored me in a way that I didn't expect it to by the end. I, I'll agree. It's terrifying because I made the exact same choices as you did and got the same result. And it was gutting. And also, the other guys, like, indistinguishable NPC wearing brown versus, like, the yeah. very distinctive Baron. I was very sad. That was a good. Uh, that was a good point about the Baron, though. I think it hit me hard too, especially that one, because you actually spend a long time with the Baron. If you do all the quests, if you go to figure out the daughter, figure out the wife, figure out, uh, you know, like all these extra things that he asks you to do, or you just do these side quests, you spend probably a good like ten to fifteen hours doing random side quests. You can play Gwent with the Baron. You can goof around with him. Like, so yeah, I think like, even if you hate the guy to come back and have that happen, because my first playthrough, he doesn't hang himself. Yeah, I, yeah think, I got that I one think too. he lived. Um, I can't remember because I played it. I played through that twice and the second time I did get the hanging one as well. Um, but yeah, you, he like lives and he's like super remorseful and is like, okay, I, I got to turn things around. Like, this was awful. I was not a good person. Like, I'm going to figure things out. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, it, I mean, obviously he's a douche, but like, you know, you do your best to like see if this guy can can make a difference, right? Um, so yeah, it, it was kind of interesting that way. I was going to say um, one of the ones, actually, Tris, so funny that you brought that up because one of the more recent ones that I remembered was when you're trying to get information for Dijkstra near um, the end of the... Um, what's the big city called? No, it's not Novigrad, is it? It's uh, yeah, Novigrad. Novigrad, yeah. Um, so you're trying to get like a uh, horse and junior, whatever. <clears throat> and Tris is helping you interrogate a dude, and it's just electrocuting the shit out of this guy. <laughs> like he's just like in this house, like raw, like just yelling, getting electrocuted, and you're not doing anything. You're just watching her torture him. And I'm like, oh, jeez, you're right. Like everyone in this game kind of is a bad person. Like even even the most redeemable one is bad. <laughs> yeah. Like starting it off like with no prior witcher knowledge and just equating it to oh so who the north people are the rebels they're the good guys in this situation then i kept meeting them be like oh no they're the bad guys so nilfgaard's the good guys i'm like no every no one's the good guys except maybe triss maybe yeah. maybe and and i don't know the the little spooky children who live in the forest they they seem pretty indifferent <laughs> the too. Godlings, yeah, yeah the godlings yeah godlings yeah uh, but yeah, no, the Baron, the Baron um, plot, he lived in, in when I did it. Um, so I don't know what I did differently. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to save him or, I mean, I didn't know how it was going to end. I was just choosing. 
Um, one thing I did, though, instead of... Because there was an option to, like, go and talk to the Baron or go and save some horses. I saved the horses. I was yeah. like, I gotta go save this stable boy and these horses because... You know, like, can't let the animals die. It's not their fault. Oh, man. I just remembered. I totally sacrificed a horse by accident to a god. And it was the it was I felt awful. So get excited for that. <laughs> but I do remember the Baron. I hated him. Like, I was like, once I found out that he, he was, like, hitting his wife, um, I just, I stopped caring about him. I thought, you know, I would go and make sure that your daughter was okay just for my own, you know, well-being to know that she's okay. I found your wife. She's a little crazy. It's not her fault, though. Um, and then I tell him about his wife, and he gets, like, you know, he completely changes his attitude. He's like, okay, she's alive. I'm going to go make it right. And he goes to find her, and, and then he's like, I can heal her. You know, there's somebody in the mountains or whatever that I'm going to take her to. And uh, he just abandons his post to, like, go take care of his family. And I thought... That that was, yeah, like what Andrew was saying, that that was like a huge swing. And I finally, you know, towards the end of it, I was like, I kind of hated you. But now I, you know, it, you've proven that you're willing to like try and make it better. So, you know, good on you. God damn character growth. How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even play Gwen with him. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's interesting that like, I think the reason the the two people who earlier said they played Paragon got the hanging ending is because I think what The Witcher does really well is that there's the clearly good choices, the clearly, like, I did finger quotes for the audio <laughs> listeners, like, the ones that seem like the righteous thing to do or the right thing to do aren't always the right answer for the best outcome. And that's what makes The Witcher 3 really interesting. And there's choices like that in Witcher 2 as well. Like, they really want you to think about consequence, but not just, is Geralt a good person? Because the jury's out on that one. <laughs> but, like, what Geralt's choices will also bring on the world and not, and that's like the TV show instills that a lot too, is like Geralt is making choices. They seem to just be for him, but it becomes pretty clear pretty quick. He's got a bigger heart than he admits, but that also leads to more trouble because not every good decision has a good result. And the game does that incredibly. And the Bloody Baron quest is a perfect example of that. Do you guys have any memorable uh, dialogue moments, favorite dialogue moments? Um, I can give you a quick example. Um, I did this early side quest in the game. Um, I think it was the first wyvern that you hunt um, where you're going through the woods with this guy and he's like, oh yeah, I used to be, you know, in this court. I used to be, you know, in this palace, um, but I got kicked out uh, because of, you know, like what I am and who I am. And Geralt's like, oh, well, if it's lycanthropy, I can I can fix it. And the guy's like, no, it's because I loved another guy. And you're just like, you sort of put the controller down for a second and like <laughs> back away from it and like go and have a drink. Because it's like one of those heavy moments where there's nothing you can do to help that guy. But like Geralt was, you know, he was like ready to. That hit me really hard. Um, and I don't know if that's just like me being a queer person. That's like, oh, like you can't fix that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that uh, for me was like, maybe it was supposed to be a funny dialogue moment, but like that really hit me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as a, as a queer person, this game does a lot of things. Not great that I, I notice that others might not also like, I love Tris and I love Yennefer. I think they're really cool, great characters. But besides the two of them, 
And, um, oh, the witch character with white hair whose name I'm blanking on. But, like, besides the three of them, and even the three of them at times, they don't really get treated. This game doesn't really respect women very much at all. Mm. Uh, and especially in the narrative, like, brutal murders and just, like, t- talking about, like, like it's like you said, right? You play, you play that early scene, you see some side boob, and then you read the book, and you're like, oh, it's sort of ingrained in this world they're building. But also, it's clearly written by men like i don't think a lot i'm sure women have worked on this game i'm I'm confident of it though i don't know for (laughs) sure but it is clear that a lot of the narrative and the kind of dialogue and like especially when you see some of the sex scenes and stuff this is the male gaze and it's fine i mean Geralt canonically is not straight he kind of doesn't care he he's not necessarily i mean i guess i would say he's uh he's not even bisexual he's pansexual maybe but like i think he's more just like I don't give a shit is his, his sexuality. The only thing he loves is a good hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> he does love a good hot tub. And so, like, for the character to be pretty canonically queer-ish, they just don't, like, there's it, it leans you much towards, like, these women and, like, they're used for their bodies. And, like, it is a culture where there are whores who gather information. And it's just very complicated. And it felt very straight-focused. Like, I would love to just have, a, have had a major love interest that was a guy that I could go make out with as Geralt. Like you can definitely like kind of toy with flirting and like you can be friendly and flirty with people, but that's, it's not in the same way like in other games where you can kind of really go for it. And I found in a lot of the dialogue with women, if it wasn't Geralt and it was someone else, it was, it was often demeaning or not written well. And so like, I wanted to just piggyback on that point before talking about a quote that I agree. I think this game does a lot of great stuff, but treating women well is not really one of them. So I have a few. One of my favorites as a Tristan. Like, I like Yennefer, especially now after the show. But I've been a Tristan since the second game. I like I like her voice actress. My spouse is a redhead, and I'm a sucker for redheads. So, like, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. But, like, when at one moment when you're talking with um, Triss, I think after you've started to pursue a relationship with her in the third game or return to it, Geralt goes, I've recovered my memory completely. Triss says, oh, good. That should stop people from taking advantage of you. And Geralt's like, someone's been taking advantage of me? And Triss is like, I have for one. And it's just a very fun little, like, bantery moment. Uh, and, like, I just, I, I kind of love, Triss, Triss is almost endlessly optimistic, even at the worst of times. And, like, when she's not, then Geralt is. And it's a rare time when you see Geralt being warm and optimistic, especially when you get towards the tail end of their relationship. Um, on the other end, with, like, uh, Yennefer, there's a moment when you're you're at a funeral. Girl goes, "You smell wonderful." Yennefer goes, "Geralt, we're at a funeral." Geralt pauses <laughs> for a beat. You smell wonderful at this funeral. <laughs> it's just like, and that's what I love about Harry Cavill in the role too. He does Doug Cockle, who's a king, as the voice of Geralt, does his inflection really well. And so, like, there's never a moment where I'm like, who, you know, when we we see media get converted from thing to thing you're like well this version of the character is better i think that both doug cockle and henry cavill are both equally great Geralts because they bring their own uh, body of work to those characters but they get Geralt because they understand this and of course famously like henry cavill's played these games to death so henry cavill is absolutely leaning into the doug cockle of it all anyway but like my favorite moments 
the reason I picked those two quotes is because my favorite moments with Geralt is when he's being funny because he's actually pretty funny when the he like humor. shows a little yeah. bit you know, like the dry wit. I'm a big fan of dry wit. Uh, Eddie Azard is one of my favorite comedians. So like I like the like dry kind of deadpan delivery. And so like I think Geralt nails that really well in the game for sure, which is why those two quotes stood out the most. Yeah, I don't know if I have a necessarily like favorite quote, um, but there's a quest that I remember pretty well of this like legendary elf swordsman in Novigrad named Hattori, I think. And uh, it's a pretty tough side quest. I think it's like level 28 or something. Like you, you need to be pretty up there to do it. I did it way under leveled and I just thought I'd give it a shot and I tried and failed so many times, but I really wanted to get a new sword. So I was like, ah, screw it. I'll push through. Um, and he's, he's not much to talk to. He makes dumplings, but he also makes great swords and you're like, okay, cool. Um, but there's this one moment where you need to get him protection um, through this whole quest of like trying to get him medals so he can craft swords for you. And you just like, run up to like the dumbest npc ever who just wants to fight everybody and he's such like an antagonistic ass i can't remember his name but yeah he i don't just, like... he's a knight and he said he has to fight like 50 knights and after you there's 49 left or something yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just like a bunch of goofy stuff like that i think is he's just like i'm gonna knock your teeth in and then you like beat him up and then he's like okay what should we do and i'm like Wait, what? Did we just get a character switch? Like, how is this guy your best friend? You just punch the crap out of him, right? Like, it's stuff like that. For me, it's it's been a while since I've I've played, so the di- specific dialogues uh, are are out of my brain. And I'm also terrible for lyrics and dialogue memory in general. I can carry a tune with all the wrong words, and I'm very confident about it. Um, but I think what, like, the dialogue, or at least the conversation that really, like, struck me was well number one this is a very lonely time in my life so i may have been treating it as a dating simulator to (laughs) as soon as i realized you could smooch all the people without consequences i'm like all right we're gonna make real connections today real deep ones um and then it gets to the point where like yennefer and uh tris are like so who are you choosing and i was like hmm I feel like the game wants me to choose Yennefer, but I don't know anything about her past, and she's honestly been kind of mean to me. So, <laughs> Triss. Obviously, Triss. And, like, just, like, the conversation of her being like, oh. And, like, literally her heartbreak and me being like, I'm sorry, I wish I could take it back, but not really. Okay, we're going to go outside the Witcher universe here for a second to talk about uh, where it fits in with other Monster Hunter style games. Um, I don't have a lot of experience in this genre. I have played the Monster Hunter Rise game that recently came out um, within the last few years on on Switch. Um, And it's similar in the sense that like you take on bounties or you take on quests and like you go kill the monster and the monster has this like, you know, native ecology. Um, It's got certain behaviors, certain moves. um, And uh, that's about basically where the similarities end because it's not an open world game. You can't, you know, explore everywhere. You have to take a mission to leave the like base camp that you're in. I mean, you could change your weapons, but it's basically a multiplayer game where you just button smash until you kill the monster. Um, do you guys have any games that might be kind of similar to to this sort of style? Well, I can only really speak for Wild Hunt. Um, 
But I know that, like, Monster Hunter games, at least the, like, more Japanese, like, the older ones that were less westernized were just a grind. Like, you had to be into that grind. And I think that one of my favorite parts of The Witcher itself was kind of parsing together what monster it could be and preparing yourself and making sure you have the right venom on your sword, making sure you have the right art, like... Just the prepare, like, it felt like I was actually gearing up to do a specific thing, which they really, like, they gloss over a little bit in the series with the, I take this potion every time we fight something. But I'm like, no, are you taking, which potion are you taking? I need to know. Um, But I loved, like, the researching the target, making sure I was the best equipped for that target, and then going out and getting stopped anyways, because another target came in. Um, It almost feels like if, like, one of those weird, like, um... RPG things where it's like, do you have strength, ability, and then it makes a weird shape. I'm terrible for podcasts. There's a lot of hand talking right now. <laughs> There's hands. <laughs> Pentagons and odd shapes. Um, it's it's got a bit of everything. Like it's not too. It's monster hunty enough. It's Skyrimy enough. And then it's like got other callback. I love that you can just call Roach out of nowhere. He just comes bursting over a cliff. He's like, I'm here. I'm ready to go. And you're like, yes. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's meshed together so many unique sources into something that's wholly unique to a certain degree. Like, cause like I love KOTOR, like Knights of the Old Republic, the dialogue trees and that are like, Mwah. again, hand talking on a podcast. God, I'm a pro. <laughs> um, Mass Effect again. Uh, and the, like the characterization and knowing the people and learning who they are and falling in love with them. It definitely has that. And also like, ah, it's Bioware without being Bioware. And I love it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of its comparisons are ones that I would draw. Like, I, I think the reason I would come back to The Witcher 3 before Skyrim is because, while Skyrim's really a great game, it choice overwhelm to the extreme. Like, oh, yeah. whenever I've played it so many times that when I start up a new, ma- uh, new game, it's like, all right, I'm already thinking about three armors down the line that I need to make in order to take on this boss that I'm nowhere near yet. Whereas The Witcher, there's enough stuff to do that I don't feel that overwhelm. That said, I skipped a lot of side quests in my last playthrough of The Witcher because I was trying to finish it while also playing other games. Monster Hunter, I happen to be versed in. Uh, the more recent ones, I played the one on the 3DS, and then I've played Rise and Monster Hunter World. Um, I love the Monster Hunter games, but the narrative is definitely not the same as The Witcher. I'd oh, say Monster Hunter World is closer to The Witcher because there is an overarching narrative that does evolve, but the monster hunting itself is you're in a closed arena, you're hunting down the monster, and it's a lot of mashing buttons till the monster falls over. The strategy to it as well, and the team comp and stuff, but it is not it is not also a very solo game. You can play it solo, and I have, and they even have difficulty settings in Rise to make it easier to play by yourself. But that those games, you're meant to be hunting monsters with a pack of friends. Mm-hmm. And it's a different kind of dynamic than like The Witcher 3, which is like you are The Witcher, you are doing this mission, and you have to take it on. Um, which is a very Western RPG thing, uh, which is very funny considering it doesn't come from here. It comes from Poland. Um, <laughs> but like, it's not a JRPG thing, right? But there are more recent JRPGs that give me similar feelings. Like I'm actually playing through Tales of Arise right now, my first Tales game ever. Um, I've always been fascinated in the series. Ta- for those who don't know Tales, the Tales games are much like Final Fantasy and Suikoden. Like you can, it, you can play all the games. Suikoden more so they're connected, but like, it's in like Final Fantasy in the sense that you could play a game in isolation and it wouldn't matter. There'd be references that fans of the series would appreciate, but it's its own wholly unique story. And in Tales of Arise, you are playing the lead. The lead character is Alfin, this guy who wears a big suit of armor. He's got two swords. One's 
made of literal lava. Uh, and <laughs> yes, I'm not kidding. Like literal, Charity like molten cheese, rock. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> but you fight these things called zoogles, and it's a weird name for essentially monsters. And most of the fights, like you do fight humans as well, but for the most part, you fight monsters. And a most recent mission I did, you fought a lord who created a giant dragon monster and felt very, especially since I'm only controlling Alpha, and even though you can control the other characters, it felt very Witcher-esque because I'm running around with these two swords. I'm doing these different kinds of attacks. I'm, you know, taking a potion when I can. I'm rolling and dodging. And, like, I think that what makes The Witcher 3 a unique experience is it, does it, ta it takes in a lot from other games. I mean, you mentioned Bioware before. Dragon Age Inquisition, if you like Witcher 3 and you haven't played Dragon Age Inquisition, play Dragon Age Inquisition. It, it's far enough ahead of the first two Dragon Age games that you don't, you don't need the references, though I, finally playing them in order, appreciate the references, but you can absolutely play Inquisition by itself and it's totally enjoyable. And it has a very similar vibe to what The Witcher 3 is doing as well. And you can smooch in it, right? And you can flirt with everyone. Uh, I have complaints as a queer person that they craft these perfect bisexual slash lesbian characters who are canonically straight, and I look at it and go, you were written by a straight white man because there's <laughs> no way this character with a bowl cut who is butch and is a knight of the Templars, is straight. You are wrong, <laughs> Bioware. I am sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm just, I'll get on my soapbox again. Like, I, there's a character named Thane in Mass Effect who is not straight. I don't care what oh, anybody no. says. That character is not a straight man. And you cannot smooch him as a man. It makes me very upset. <laughs> very upset. That's why I just play as Femme's and, chef. You can smooch him all well, the well, And Garrus. There you go. Get that Garrus action. <laughs> oh, Garrus all the way. <laughs> I think that's like the new benchmark for for modern video games is like can you form queer relationships? If yep. if you cannot, I'm not interested. Yeah. Like there was um uh what was I playing recently? This this indie game called Lake um where you basically just are you're a male person. You go around you deliver mail in this town. Um but you know outside of working hours um you can, you know, hang out with people and uh go on dates and stuff and there's this one girl uh that works at like a video shop and um you start flirting with her and you know i was like okay this is this might be queer baiting we'll see what happens um we go to a movie together we make out in her car i was like this is great um but then she ghosts me she disappears and i was like why does the is the only queer relationship in this game like such a red flag i was so upset <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then she's, she comes back like a couple days later and she's like, oh, I need your help with something. I'm like, you're just using me. Like, I see what's <laughs> happening here. <laughs> so I peaced out. I was like, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, sh I should say that there are queer relationships in Mass Effect and Dragon Age. There's just not enough. There could always be more. Of course. Yeah. I mean, in general, right? Everything could be gayer, right? That's just my motto <laughs> at this point. Um, the one thing I did like about The Witcher, though, was the kind of two swords parry um parry step and dodge function like the the combat did feel kind of nice eventually you become god mode and you just slay like you get way too many upgrades and you're just you you run through everything however for i'd say like the beginning up until probably the late teens and 20s there's still a pretty good challenge um and so 
The one thing I would say for anybody that really likes the Souls types games, like maybe you might find some enjoyment if you play Witcher on a bit of a harder mode or like Bloodborne or something like that. Because um, there is some strategy and there are some enemies, especially if you're fighting things over leveled than you, that will one shot you or that will take you down incredibly quickly. So I would say, you know, it's not narratively like a souls game at all but there are tons of like little secrets and things to figure out and kind of underlying stories so if you're into that type of thing definitely witcher uh, will give you that as well one thing i just realized uh when you were talking about armor that i didn't mention in the first episode of of uh my witcher um uh, playthrough was that you have to be a certain level to wear certain armor and that is uh, not always the case in a lot of video games where, you know, you can basically wear whatever armor you want as long as you find it, right? Like, if you find better armor, you just strip off what you're wearing, put on the new stuff. With The Witcher, um, you know, that might be the case that you find better armor, but you're not the right level yet. So you you have to kind of decide if you want to just, like, stash this in the chest or sell it or hold on to it. Um, I mean, there's chests available. I don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> Why store stuff when you can carry it with you? I mean, I feel like that's a pretty typical RPG thing. Um, but th it's funny because, right, The Witcher walks that line between action game and RPG, mm -hmm. right? You have a skill tree, you have spells. And so I would classify it as an RPG, but other folks might more classify it as an action game. Mm -hmm. And so I think definitely going and expecting it to be an action game, like, Assassin, as far as I can remember, Assassin's Creed doesn't gate upgrades beyond behind levels, except maybe like certain skills or whatever. Uh, I also have you have to one. find the like blueprints to craft it, and that's about right. it. Yeah, I mean, I also haven't do, they think. do Honestly, they? I remember there's a couple of things you can you can kill enemies that are pretty higher level than you, and sometimes they'll drop gear mm. you can't use yet. That's right. Yeah, with shields and stuff. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I should also say I haven't really played since the Ezio trilogy, which I loved. And oh, my some goodness. Some of my yeah. favorite games. Why would you, say, but then, why would you continue? Very different. Well, because I played the Ezio trilogy, and then I played three and went, this is crap. Why would I play any more of it? And then I bought Origins because people kept raving about it. And it's a beautiful world. I love that it's in Egypt. I love that it has tons of people of color. There's queer relationships in it, but it also is just like you, you get to the first open map, there are 10 quests, and I go, no, thank you. <laughs> Too much world. I'd much rather a straight path for right now. Thanks. Yeah, this is the, the new and improved Skyrim that I think we all deserved. Oh, um, I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, Jesse, yeah. I have one game that's similar, and growing up mm -hmm. on my Game Boy Color, it was lime green, by the way. Um, one of the <laughs> most hours I logged was on the Pokemon trading card game. And that, that's. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk like about the Gwent stuff. The yeah. real game yeah. we play here. Yeah. All right, I, I'm not into. I couldn't get into Gwent. Oh, I just, no. I either I don't understand the strategy or I'm just oh, really shitty at, at side games within games. Um, probably more so the latter. Um, <laughs> you guys nerd out about Gwent. I will give you however much time you want. Gwent, Gwent, good. <laughs> I mean, I like Gwent. I didn't play it a lot because, again, I was kind of bull rushing through the story because I wanted to see Fair. the ending. And I knew if I took the full whatever, 60, 80 hours it took, I would never finish it. Um, but, like, I play Triple Triad like every other Final Fantasy fan. <laughs> I played the Shovel Knight games. And in the third game, King of Cards, there's an actual card game in it that is actually really good. Um, Gwent is a fun game. I don't, I, I'm not as into it, but I have friends who, like, play. There's, like, a separate. I think mobile phone version app, of Gwent yeah. mm -hmm. that people play obsessively. And like, I can see why people like that. I prefer the actual cards. Like I play Magic the Gathering still Ooh. when I can, when mm -hmm. it's not a pandemic. Yeah. Um, 
but but I mean Gwent I think is a well built game within this within this world. I just wish they taught it better. I feel like no matter how much I played it, I was figuring it out, but the game wasn't really helping me to figure no, it out. The, you just kind of had to play the game to learn it. Yeah, the Tylenol 3 has definitely helped, and then it became my new mission. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. This is why we're best friends. Um, I, I did the exact same thing. Literally, I had to get good at Gwent. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's actually really rewarding, except that you don't get a lot of rewards, more that it's just fun to beat other decks and people that have better decks than you because at the beginning you're just stuck with all these basic ass cards but there's like kind of a synergy to it you use these spy cards to like get your hand heat like with a lot of cards and you're trying to usually at the beginning anyway when you're using the northern realms deck and you're trying to kind of like load up your cards so you can like run them over in the second and third rounds so it's like you kind of trade the rounds there's three rounds um yeah it's it's basic math but there's like little interactions like some cards burn other cards some cards buff other cards some cards um like nerf their damage or their like strength output um and it's just a basic numbers game so yeah there's some strategy it's definitely not going to be for everyone for sure um because the beginning deck sucks and it's so easy to lose yeah two points andrew number one yeah uh, you do get rewards from playing Gwent. You get more Gwent, number one. Uh, <laughs> uh, and number two, I forget what number two was because I was so jazzed about number one. So that's it. <laughs> oh, so, but like you lose, you have to give cards to the person that beat you, right? No, just money. Oh, no. Yeah, just money. Yeah, you just oh, don't lose. You only play for cards. money. You win cards from people. Um, and every shopkeeper almost in the game or blacksmith or whatever you can play Gwent with. Um, and you can bet as many crowns as you want or whatever. Usually, I don't know, sorry, only up to 10. Um, which is a lot at the beginning when you're broke as hell. So you usually just play for like one or two to make sure you win and just get your card and move on. Um, but eventually you're swimming in crowns and you don't care. So. Yeah, I have like 4,000 crowns and I'm buying all the Gwent cards because it's a thing that I have to get for 100% completion. <laughs> but I didn't know that you had to beat the Baron to get one of his cards, so I don't think I oh, can no. get that achievement now. No, yeah, if he's dead, you lost that card, yeah, I think. So. Well, he's alive. I just, I'll never see him again because he's off oh, yeah. saving his wife. Oh, There's actually that's, another one yeah. too. There's another mission you can um, you can fail. I looked it up because I wanted to get all the best Gwent cards and they said there, there was another mission where um, it's like part of the Temeria sideline stories with the people in the caves and stuff. Um, if you accidentally do something too quickly, you miss out on a side mission, you automatically fail it. And part of somebody that you can only talk to during that side mission has a card. I don't know. It's a whole big thing. I'm not a huge achievement like, you know, trophy hunter, but I kind of like to get them if I can and it's not too out of my way, so... You know, I was a little upset, but I was like, eh, I'm not going to play 50 hours to get back here again. So, I mean, I like collecting them because I just like collecting things like I'm a completionist. And if you give me inside a video game, if you give me something to collect, if I can if I can go, look, I have these things, uh, I'll do it. Like, give me the give me them. So I'll do it. The I don't know why I have people them, I have who them. have worked in bug taxonomy and have carried yeah. cases of insects around and been like, I got paid for this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, real life Pokemon collector. I have a question for you, Jesse. Okay, yeah, sure. Go yeah. for it. So how do you feel the um the ecology or the set settings of the show do with uh the wild hunt? Um how do you like kind of some of the maybe similarities in the places? They're not like super similar, I think, from a like constructional foundation perspective, but um just from the places that you visit kind of throughout the show and, and, and the game. Uh, so one of my favorite 
sort of biomes, I guess you could call it, in, in the game is the swamp. I love the swamp. There's like a battle that happened there. I mean, there's it's, it's war. There's war everywhere. But, um, you know, there's bodies strewn all over. You get those, those um, necrophages that come that are attracted to the death, right? So you get... You'll get the um, the explodey guys. I can't remember what they're called. Um, they're like ghouls that you get. Um, as ghouls, I think is another one. Mm-hmm. And then those like explodey cursed people that just are big balls of. I blood. believe that's the technical um, name. Yeah, explodey yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so those like that makes sense to me that they are so much. They're so drawn to that death um, that you see in the game. Swamps are also cool for those uh, those foglets, those guys yeah. that come out of the mist. Those are yeah. super freaky. Um, I thought that you could trap them in those like the you know you, you lay it down your yeah yardin mm-hmm. I think um, you lay it down. I thought that that would make them corporeal so you could fight them, but no, that's not how you do it apparently. Um, so I was like, that's kind of stupid. Like I <laughs> I make them I make spectrals like corporeal this way. Like, why can't I make a foglet corporeal? But anyway, and they copy themselves. Like, there's one in front of you that you can see, but it really it's behind you, so it's like a mirage. So that's kind of neat. Um, what are the other ones? Uh, drowners. They they live in the swamp too. Um, drowners and hags. I have a, a bit of a beef with because they can <laughs> dive into the mud. Uh, like yeah. just you know, like phew, disappear in the mud that you're walking on, like you are standing on it. It is solid ground, and they just disappear. And I was like, "This is stupid." Guess what? <laughs> so I don't. Like I got that. digging speed, twenty feet down, yeah. not even rough <laughs> terrain. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what are those? Uh, those other little guys? Um, Necker? Yeah, mm-hmm. Necker. They come out of the ground. Other little little holes. They are so quick. I died like. 20 times at the start of the game from those things because they swarm you and they're so fast. See, those guys hit a real nostalgia bone for me because they look like the Hobbs from the Fable franchise. And I I Mm, loved that stuff growing up. And I was like, oh, I I know these guys. They are more terrifying now. Don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so far, you don't really see any of those monsters uh, in the show. Um, So none of the ones that I mentioned really... um, have been shown that brings me up to a question do you guys have a favorite monster from the witcher 3 because i'm gonna go ahead and say the leshy was was hands down my favorite i love that four spooky wolves are now here it was a good time to fight them and learn all about them and see them in the series as well favorite favorite monster i i liked fighting the the griffin that was pretty neat i know that you do beat it right at the beginning but that there are other ones throughout um yeah, I, I liked the wyvern e fights too. I don't know why bears were so strong, but I mean that was kind of like fun to fight. <laughs> and <laughs> bears huge. they were so big. They were so big, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I liked a lot of the monsters, but definitely the wyvern e kind of flying e things. I thought were pretty neat to fight. It's tough. There's I mean, a lot to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, like I like. I'm a big fantasy and D and D nerd, also, and so like all of this stuff is my wheelhouse and so we love like, to hear it love like i will say it. like my least favorite is the giant centipedes because like i just don't like bugs sorry i have compassion for a lot of creatures but bugs i just can't do it i i'm it's okay they're not really bugs <laughs> I, sure that's true um i'm sorry nerd moment <laughs> uh, no please correct me um but like i mean if they, I don't know. It's really hard. There, there's just there's so many cool monsters, especially the ones that are like boss monsters. But I have to agree. Like the 
the griffin you kill in the beginning also because it just shows you the the massiveness of that creature and it's not even by far the biggest thing you fight but it just seems so massive at the time um and i, I actually really like the way werewolves and wargs are shown in this game i think there are a lot of different ways you can depict a werewolf and like let's be real often werewolves are depicted as like sexy man beasts and there's a little bit of that in this but they also are creatures and monsters like they're not you know they remind me of the werewolves in warcraft and world of warcraft in that era too like they're they're men and beasts but they like you especially when you're trying to help them find their humanity i always find that really interesting um so, i can fix yeah. you <laughs> yeah right i'm i uh a famous problem that I, as a queer person, have definitely had in the past. I can fix you. I can make you better. I can make you like me. Um, anyway. But, yeah, no, I really like this game's depiction of werewolves because they, while they are similar to the D&D and classic horror movie style, they, they kind of go a step further with the lore and these and these creatures. They were so fast, too. I remember the werewolves so being fast. Yeah. running around on four legs just like, you know, there's no way you could run from them. They're terrifying. Yeah. And they have a really far reach too. If we're talking about you know sort of D and D wise, like easily they're a little. They hit that ten foot reach right there. Probably yeah, yeah. that reach. reach. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really pick a favorite monster. I don't know if I fought a, a variety enough enough of a variety yet. I think I'd have to go just in general with like wraiths or banshees, like those sort mm. of like spectral creatures that you find in graveyards that are like tortured souls, right? They they're still clinging to this world because of a wrong that has been done to them or, you know, they died in a horrific way and, and they're just attached to an object. And I guess I, maybe that's like, because I love the supernatural series so much. They're like, that's like my ghost hunting. That's my, I'm like, you know, I could be Sam Winchester and like burn the bones. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that's one of my favorite monster um, classes, I guess, in this game is, and like, you know, you have to, I mean, I don't use a lot of my spells, a lot of the magic, and I guess I should because they are really helpful, uh, but you do have to use them to fight those spectral monsters because otherwise your sword just goes through them. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think you can actually get a sword that eventually just cuts them. Though. Just cut. Them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ghost sword. Love it. <laughs> There's a bunch of weird things like that um, with like some of the more rare legendary weapons. Um, I don't know if you all want to talk about that or not, um, but I got, I think there was like the hangman sword or something like that. And he was like, do 50% extra critical damage to humans and, and like non-humans or something like that. It was wild. You just, you pick that thing up. And if you have any of those like little crit markers, you're just one shot. at things. like It was wild. You throw that on when you know you're going to fight a lot of humans or something. Um, that was kind of neat, but I liked how some of them looked unique. The Witcher didn't do a great job with that. If you're like one of those, people where you like the chromas you like um you know what do they call them in diablo i can't remember but it's basically like you can change the look of an item if you don't like it because it has really great stats which is not awesome for that kind of stuff but if you like varied armor and some colors and things like that there are a few choices but i don't know if anybody really got into that too deep well i'll be honest i lost interest somewhere off the coast of the skelliga islands while i was chasing <laughs> all the question marks and going down with my boat and then i'd be like oh 
Looks like there's more sirens here. Guess I gotta fight them for ten minutes. Uh, I was a master of the person drinking the potion that gave me an extra 60 kilos for my carrying capacity. So I could, <laughs> I just worked as a fisherman for junk. And I'd go back to town, I'd sell it, and be like, oh, got another piece of my griffin armor. And that, 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 that's where I stopped playing. <laughs> I don't know, legendary items, Andrew, if you're talking about I Maybe I haven't been far enough into the story yet about um, finding legendary items. And to me, I don't know which one is like, you know, besides like the number of damage that it does i really don't evaluate them other than that i was like this mm. thing hits hard i want this one um and i know there are like certain you can you, you know you can put little um uh runes. those runes and sigils and stuff inside mm-hmm. your weapons or your armor to like make you better at you know your signs or uh cause crit damage or chance to freeze or stun or all that stuff um i just choose randomly i was like yeah that'll do <laughs> so i'm yeah, I'm not a I'm not a very um, smart gamer when it comes to that. Of course, I'm playing on easy. Oh, I'm playing on easy too. Uh, I like I'm at a point now where time is money, and I, if I'm in it for yep. the story, like also like I respect how complicated the combat is in Witcher Three. But after trying to do a couple battles with that, I'm like I want to sing, I want a swing sword thing dead. Like that's what yep. I want from this game. I'm in it for the narrative. In a similar way that, like, when I replay the Mass Effect franchise, even though I, I've played it on Insanity before, which is, <laughs> as it sounds, incredibly hard, um, I was a big achievement hunter in the Xbox 360 era. It was a mistake, and now I don't give a damn about achievements as a result. We're you troubled. mean it's not paying dividends? What? <laughs> yeah, <right>. My life. <laughs> um, and so, like, in The Witcher, like, once I started to struggle, I was like, I'm putting it on easy. I want to see the story. I want to I want to interact with these characters. I care more about the conversations. Like, if the combat is fun in a game, I will go out of my way to do it and level up and do more. But if it becomes an arduous task, like, I'd rather do it the easier way to get through. It's why I don't play the Dark Souls games, which I might or might not be good at. And, like, I say this in the same breath as Metroid being one of my most favorite franchises. And, like, Metroid Dread was incredibly difficult. But I felt like each boss fight, each death was rewarding in a way that, like, it's a skill challenge and a skill check in Witcher, which is great for people who want to do that. But for me, I'm like, I don't want to remember... Like, I can barely remember which sword. I don't want to remember whether to step or roll or use an ard or whatever. Like, I can't. I can't. Be well, it's great. Geralt remembers most of the time. He has yeah, monster, yeah. silver, yeah, human, steel. Yeah, no, like, he pulls out the right one. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> what I do love, though, is like, is, you know, you were talking about putting the right, you know, venom or oil on your sword, Alex, earlier. You can totally pause the game and just apply oil to your sword mid-battle. Yep, mid-battle. Like, there's 100%. no consequences. Shove nope. the cheese in your mouth, put the oil yeah. on your The Skyrim effect. <laughs> yeah. Or like the Zelda yeah. Breath of the Wild effect. Like I always love the cartoons yeah. of like Link like with a sword in him shoving food in his face so he doesn't die kind of thing. You can Eating eat full meals like salads and like all these things. Mid- mid-battle, yeah. Oh, that's another thing in this game that I don't pay attention to. This The something points is the stamina points that little red bar that adrenaline i think is the one bit adrenaline and there points, is a stamina yeah. bar as well yeah i don't know what those do oh and i found a cheat that so i mean this but this works on on switch because i play it on switch um you can sprint forever you just sprint and then when you're when your bar gets to halfway you jump and then when you're in the air it recharges your sprint and then you land and you sprint some more and then you jump <laughs> it's a sweet hack by the way <laughs> nice this changes everything i'm going yeah, back in yeah. guys skelliga here i come <laughs> <laughs> yeah does it work in uh, boats <laughs> 
do you have stamina on boats? No, you just no. Have I'm just goofing speed. around. If you can like, <laughs> oh, okay, jump yeah. the boat, uh, it's it's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. That's another one of my video game pet peeves. If we're gonna have a segment about pet peeves one day, is that like when you're sailing a boat and there's that boost mode. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is boost mode? <laughs> like, like we're using wind gust- here. Like, where's the boost coming from? I mean, I guess it I could be it. you using your like push spell to push it faster i guess so yeah. control like water that's... we're going faster for the next 10 minutes i got this yeah right. yeah or the instant reverse right that, nothing like being in a boat and just randomly going backwards all of a sudden <laughs> like, that's like, i didn't know this work. book could do this <laughs> yeah. can you do that in the witcher i don't think you can go backwards in this game yeah, yeah you can you hold the button really? and you go reverse. yeah you just yeah. hold like on on pc you just hold s like instead of w and you'll just like you'll be going oh. forward and all of a sudden you'll stop and you can just like slowly go backwards. backwards but no one's paddling nothing's yeah. changing you could just no. go backwards <laughs> yeah this one of my um one of my pet peeves since well I really got into the like pirate sort of um, Assassin's Creed style stuff mm-hmm. um, because in Origins um, you can like lean forward in your little skiff and all he has is like this pole in his hand and suddenly you're just booking it and like there's no sail on this boat <laughs> I, he's not paddling I don't know we're just going fast because he leaned forwards so it's kind of the same thing in this game where like Geralt is sailing he's got a sail. When he leans forward, it goes a little faster. <laughs> Look, this is the same game that has werewolves and vampires. So, like, yeah. I mean, you know, some, I give it a sus- pass. Yeah. Some, some suspension of disbelief. But, like, I love that kind of video game logic of, like, when you're using a vehicle that makes no physical sense. Um, I've been playing a lot of Fortnite lately with some friends. And, like, the game is just wacky and dumb. And that's the point. And, like, when you get in a car, the physics for cars just don't make any sense. And I love it. Like, you just go careening off a ledge, like, flip through the water. It doesn't matter. You drive boats on the land because you're moving fast enough. It doesn't matter. I love that stuff. Like, but I do feel like when there's a certain amount of realism in a game like The Witcher, which does at a lot of points take itself very seriously, it can seem strange to just, like, like I expect to hear a bus like beeping, like as you're backing up your boat because you're just moving slowly backwards for no reason. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they they weigh their options and and they know that players like to get around quickly. Like if there's a sprint button, you know everybody's holding the sprint button the yeah. whole time. Nobody's walking anywhere. Nope. Um, as a character in any video game, you're nope. always running. So if there's a boost mode on your boat, they're just like, we're not going to question it. We're just going to accept it. I can go faster. (laughs) It's like the quality of life stuff that they do in game design. Same thing they do in animation where, like, if you slow down the pain per pain, somebody's face is like (laughs) out the sideways. It's because they got to blur the motions to make it look natural. Otherwise, it looks terrifying. And the show. Let's talk about the show. Loved the vibe of the first season. Yeah, I think it gave me real like Hercules and Xena vibes because the budget was a bit lower and it was a monster of the week a lot of the time. Um, and it was hokey and good and serious and terrifying all in one. And second season did not disappoint. I mean, did I wish they had more monster of the week as opposed to focusing on the big plot? Yeah, but I still got a huge kick out of it. And I got spooky ooky a couple times too. Much love. And Henry Cavill's my favorite wide boy. He's up there with Adam Driver. So wide, so good. <laughs> yeah, I love the show. Uh, I, unfortunately, the bisexual panic is real. I kind of am just attracted to every character, even characters I wouldn't be expected to be attracted to. Like, I just, like, like Dykstra is very different in the game than he is. In so the, different. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, like, 
that dude, that bald dude is handsome. Uh, so like, he's fit too for how fit. old he is. Yeah, Jeez. it bummed me out though that like there wasn't plus size. Like Dykstra is plus size, and he, like mm-hmm. him being this big character is part of his character. Like, and he uses his size to an advantage while fighting, and also he's proud of his size. It's not like he's a character who's heavier. People call him names, and he just doesn't give a shit right and like i love that about him and like we don't have that in the show and it, there aren't a lot of um like that's the other sign like there's bisexual panic but there's also no real like average looking people or different shapes and sizes of people with a few exceptions that's kind of a bummer um but yeah i love the show i love i mean i i have such a giant crush on henry cavill for so many reasons uh that P- that PC build video, like he knew what he was doing when he released that video of him building a PC in a tank top. Like there was no accidental <laughs> release. Like he knew what he was doing. 100%. Um, 100%. But uh, but like I'm glad the wigs got better in the second season. The wigs were real bad in the first season. Um, I have a friend of mine who's a professional cosplayer and has done Witcher cosplay. It was like when I have a better wig than their Geralt, it's a problem. Um, I but, didn't even notice anything was wrong with the hair. I was like, his hair's messy. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but like, but the story, I think the story beats are great. Um, I don't miss the Monster of the Week stuff as much because I do love the series story. And I loved Vesemir in the second season. I thought he was cast mm. perfectly. Like, I feel like I'm playing the game seeing Vesemir in the, in the show. Um, the dialogue is just cheesy enough that it works, right? And that's what we love about the ga- third game too, right? Like, it's just hokey enough that when Geralt is sarcastic... Or like, or like you know, humming, you know, humming for the fifteenth or sixteenth time, we still get a kick out of it. And I really love that. Um, and I think that the the stuff with the elves in the second season is very interesting. You know, plots around race are 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 always tricky, but they have elves of color, which of course there would be. And so, like, I do like that some of the racial related plot also involved those elves of color. And like, I think. They're doing the best they can, right? No show is perfect quite yet, but like the diversity in the show is pretty good. Um, you know, I don't love how they uh, um, handle uh, disabled characters. You know, Yennefer's whole story in the first season, like having friends who are disabled, it's like it's like oh, she wants to be pretty. It's a curse, and it's like uh, uh, this is complicated. But I think they did the best they could. You know, I just don't love a non-disabled actress playing a disabled character and then becoming mm-hmm. finger quotes pretty. But these are all like nitpicks uh, that I think they could have improved in a already really great two seasons of TV. And like, I'm so excited for the third season. Like, I just, I really, it's a character show. Like, every time we reunite with these characters, like when Yaskir finally reunites with us and also got fit somehow, like that shirtless scene yeah, in the what? water, I was like, excuse me. Like, I was already attracted to your you because of your music, and I'm a music nerd, but hello, excuse me. He definitely uh, fitted up for the second season. There's no way he was that fit in the first season. No way. Well, you know every actor does when they find out they have a shirtless scene. Yeah, like, the, they're going to hit the gym for six months straight, because I mean, yeah. that's what they do. It really kills me these days that I look at, like, the screenshots of Wolverine from the X-Men, like, the first movie, versus Wolverine in the most recent movies, and like, oh yeah, I, I thought he was great looking back then. Things have changed, or they didn't. I don't know. Now I'm confused. <laughs> but uh, but all, but all in all, I love the show, and I'm really excited to see what they do with the Wild Hunt in this. Because again, the the show is based more on the books, which I've not read. So like, I'm really and I'm glad it's different. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening who wants to talk about adaptations, 
it's good that it's different. <laughs> like yeah. I played the Guardians of the Galaxy game last year, and first of all, it's the best representation of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Full stop. Uh, not that there was a long way to go from the MCU <laughs> versions, which I liked at the time and still like, although Chris P- Chris Pratt can walk off a, a pier. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like the, I'm a comic book fan. I love the Guardians, and these Guardians were different, and they were great. Like adaptations are adaptations for a reason, and if they're different, it's okay. <laughs> and it's just I get so exhausted when like you know, oh well, it's like. Every time I mention how I liked how this thing in the show mirrored this thing in the game, someone in my replies is like, well, they're based on the books and they're not even following that that great. Don't think I asked you, but okay. <laughs> you know, like, but that's kind of the world we live in, you know? And I, I just, I like when things adapt. Like, take or leave Riot, who is not a great company, but like, I loved Arcane. Oh, and like, Arcane, oh, Arcane and slapped. Adapting so a video game into animation in a way that tells the story that you don't really get in the game as clear cut and make it just make it its own thing. And I feel like The Witcher to bring it back and let someone else talk for a change. I think The Witcher really does that. I think The Witcher really it is an adaptation of a book series, which has also been adapted into a game, but it is also its own thing. You could absolutely watch The Witcher without any other source material and get everything you need to know that they want to tell you. Super like enjoyable. the only secrets are the secrets that the show is keeping. We don't know who the hell the Wild Hunt really is because they don't want you to know yet. You will, but they don't want you to know yet. You know, and so mm-hmm. I think it's masterful in that way as an adaptation that it, it, it is its own thing and it does it well. I agree. Um, and. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't going to agree with you, but I see your point. Um, and the only reason I say that is because, I mean, if you have a video game and a book series, you know, and a TV show, and they're all the same, like right. why bother? Why are exactly. you putting the same 100%. thing into multiple forms, right? I guess you know it's true to it's true to the series in that it's an RPG. So like this. This show, Ger- this show Geralt is making choices, and those choices are affecting his world. Just like how you know you made choices in your Geralt Witcher Three world uh, that results in in something happening that's different than my Witcher Three world because I made different choices. So you know, and then you read the Geralt in the book. The book is you know it's a different timeline, but it's sort of the same same idea that Geralt makes decisions and and he's faced with those consequences. So like it's really true to the whole franchise in that like. Um, you know, your choices have consequences. And I really like that because I don't feel like they're making decisions that the, maybe the, you know, the fan base would be like, Hey, that's not how it happened. Yeah. Because there's a lot of times, you know, when you read, I hate to bring it up, but like Harry Potter or like Game of Thrones where you're, you know, you read that and then you see the, the movies or, or, um, Tolkien, are you Tolkien? You read like, you know, uh, the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, and you're like, hey, that's not how it happened. And you're kind of upset because it's like this cult-following fantasy sort of world. I just, I didn't get that feeling with The Witcher. <laughs> I think it's because I watched the show first, and mm. then I read the books. And then in the books, I was like, I, I like both Geralt's. I like the show, maybe it's probably Henry Cavill's butt, uh, but I like, <laughs> I like both shows. Yeah. I mean, those pants are unnecessarily tight, and I don't see how they would be conducive to monster hunting. But I will allow it. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. I just I have zero complaints about it. But yeah, no, I agree with you too. And I think it's always it's case by case, right, with nerd properties. But the, the problem is, is that the worst of the nerds 
are the loudest. And so people are going to complain. But I really think that it helps also that like Henry Cavill is a gigantic nerd, right? It's why I think his performance is so good because he's played the games again and again. He knows them when they when he got cast. He played them again and again. Like like he knows this character, and I don't think that's required to play those roles. But like now, having seen a better Star Lord, I wish Chris Pratt probably read more of the comics. Right? Like he feels more passable now because I've seen better versions. And I think like you shouldn't be required to read the source material, but you should be required to understand the soul of the character. And that's what the show does. It understands the souls of these characters. Even like Tris in the show is very different from the game, Mm -hmm. but it feels, especially in the second season, especially feels like Tris. She's acting like Tris would because they get the soul of the character. Correct. Uh, so Matt, thank you so much for coming tonight. Um, I loved your energy. I love having you. Um, I am really impressed with uh, with how much you do in the podcast community. Um, I'm impressed with the the amount of of video games that you play. I mean, you finished five already in 2022. Oh I finished God. zero. <laughs> and well, I thought I played a lot of games. So. To be fair, two of them were Kirby games. One of them is 45 minutes long. So like, you know, but yes. Hey, I'm counting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, please take some time to uh, to tell my listeners and us here about some of the projects maybe that you're working on or anything you want to plug. Thank you. Well, I, I guess first I should plug what Jesse wor- was alluding to and worked on. So I have a show called Fun and Games, which is a more broad topic video game podcast. We don't do reviews. We try to keep it light and fun. Um, but we talk about genres of games. We'll do a deep dive on a franchise. We'll talk about tropes in the industry. And that was fun. But I was like, I want to talk about more specific games, but I don't want to review them. How do I do that? And then... The announcement for the now, it's been out for a while, Paper Mario Origami King came out. They announced it with a screenshot. And on the replies on Twitter of the screenshot, people were like, this game is going to suck. And I looked at it. I looked at the camera like I'm in the office and went, how the F do you know it's going to suck? It's a screenshot. People just want to hate things. So I decided to create a show called Side Quests, which Jesse had done on um, Shenmue, um, which was fantastic where I just invite someone on to talk about a game they love and why they love it for five to 15 minutes. No judgment, no, nothing's off limits, except for right now I'm not really covering Ubisoft and Activision Blizzard because they can all go fuck themselves mm-hmm. if I'm allowed to curse um, until, yeah. the, until, until, they get their sh- <laughs> until they get their shit together. Um, monopolies are bad, kids. I'm happy. <laughs> I, like, I love Microsoft and I like Phil Spencer. He seems like a genuinely good dude, but like... Monopolies are bad, folks. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So I wanted a safe space for people to talk about a game they love. Within like the first 10 episodes, my friend Nate, they talked about Fortnite, a game that I had never played at the time and a lot of people liked to poop on. And them talking about it and how much they loved it made me want to try it because they loved it so much. So like that was an ex- important space for me to create. Every 50 episodes, we, me and my co-host from the main show, Jeff, bring on a third person to talk about uh, a franchise in a longer format. We did Shovel Knight for 50. We did Chrono Trigger for 100. And I will announce it here 
on your podcast exclusive. 150, which we haven't gotten to yet, is going to be Metroid Dread with uh, returning guest Alec, Alex Lavelle. So that's really exciting. I do a, a Matri- Mass Effect retrospective podcast called Reignite. It's with my incredible co-host, Frankie Bradley Lestrange. Uh, we, we decided it'd be interesting if we put ourselves in the role of Shepard and tried to make choices as we would make them. Facing genocide is not a thing I've never really done. So, you know, there is some suspension of disbelief. But like even on our romantic choices, like I don't want to spoil it, but I ended up falling for a character that I'd always seen as kind of paper thin in the past. Hmm. And it's a queer romance. And I really enjoyed my time with that character by the time I got to the third game. So it was really interesting. And now we're doing Andromeda, which I've never played and uh, my co-host is shepherding me through it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, um, thank you for the pity laugh. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I'm excited to play Andromeda free of bias and the internet's whining. Um, I also do a TV and movie podcast called Screen Snark, uh, where a friend of the show, Pat Edwards, was on talking about his D&D books. And we usually talk about the most recent things we've watched. And it's a whole lot of fun. Pat is a delightful human who I love to death. If he hears this, this is all because of you, Pat. You I'll introduced you, me to Matt. <laughs> you did this. It's your fault, Pat. Um, and then I do an interview series that Pat has also been on called CPOV Autographs, which is just me chatting with creators. It's a very casual interview chat. And then I do a million other things. I stream on Twitch. I have a merch page. I blah, 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 blah. I've talked too, too much already. Uh, if you want to follow me, as just said, I'm on uh, DJ underscore Stormageddon everywhere. Literally, if you type DJ underscore Stormageddon in Google, you should find me. Um, and then I, if you go to djstormageddon.com, you can find a list to everything I do. Um, like I said, I have a Kofi, I have merch, I have uh, all my Twitch pages there, all of the podcasts that I work on or editor there. Um, there's probably more there that I'm not even thinking of. Um, yeah, I just I I don't so know how prolific. To... <laughs> it's wild. Thank you. You're very sweet. Um, I just I like I lo- podcasting has become my passion. It's by accident. Like I loved radio as a kid, and like I'm trying to do it full time professionally as well. Because um, there are more of those jobs now than there were ten years ago when I started. Um, but 2020, as of 2022, I've been doing this for a little over ten years, and uh, I, I love it. And uh, I banned myself from making new shows, but I love coming <laughs> on shows like this. And and Jesse, I do love your show and the work that you do. It's fascinating to look at video games and other pop culture through this lens that I know literally nothing about, which makes it even more interesting because I like learning from podcasts. So thank you for having me on the show. I hope folks will go check out some of that stuff. And uh, I'm happy to come back and talk way too much about another video game anytime you want. Yes, uh, which brings me to um, an announcement that this is the penultimate um, episode of um, season one of Gamer's Guide to Ecology. So I'm going to be doing um, Pokemon Arceus Legends um, next month and then I'm going to be taking a short break and I think I'm uh, just going to enjoy the break try to catch up on some backlog for some video games and then bring it back probably uh, in midsummer. so so yeah I will probably um, be reaching my feelers out to have some guests on again uh, for season two I really like chatting with new people this is a great way to to meet people and talk about video games because we're super nerdy um and you know it's it's something that's never going to go away um because games are just getting cooler and cooler and cooler so i'm i love it um what about skynet it could happen (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna ignore that (laughs) it's getting cut i know it. it's fine (laughs) alex wasn't even in this episode we're just oh yeah why was he so quiet he had his intro i don't understand (laughs) <laughs> oh god uh but yes so so thank you for for being on the show um and yeah hope to have you back maybe next season 
I would love to. Thank you for having me. To my listeners, thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying the show, why don't you try emailing me at jesse.dahan1 at gmail.com to let me know what you think of the show. Or follow me on Twitter at DahanJ. If you'd like to support the podcast more, please subscribe on whichever platform you're listening and download my episodes as they come out. I'm also part of a Patreon group called Scientific Canada, and you can support us on Patreon. That helps me buy more open world and RPG video games, and I can keep making episodes about in-game ecology. So thanks so much for tuning in. Good game, everyone. Theme music is called Rain Song by Brett Eagleston, and you can hear more of his music at bretteagleston.bandcamp.com. <laughs>